Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wiley, Texas. Let's go on in and see what J.R. Franklin has to teach us today. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today with great blessings and great tithing to you, Father. I ask that you just come into this place today, relieve us of the burdens that we carry, watch over us and keep us safe. Father, I ask that you anoint this service this morning, and that you anoint my tongue, that I may speak clearly, and that I will know your will to be done in here today. Father, just open the ears of each person in this room that they may hear, and the eyes that they may see, and that they will receive from you today the bounties that you have for us. I ask that you just continue to bless this little church, help us to keep growing, help us to keep doing your work, Bring people in front of us that need to hear the word of God, the truth of God, the truth of Christ, the truth of the Holy Spirit. Father, the truth is what sets us free, and we ask that you anoint us today. Be with us as we go through the scriptures. Father, also be with us as we go through another part of worship today called tithing. Make the giver happy to give it. Father, it's, it's a privilege to be able to give back to you what is yours. And we should look at it that way. Watch over us. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. God has really been dealing with me the last three, four weeks about this. And it's become part of my life. It's what I think about more than anything else. You know, we as Christian people, we have a tendency to get lazy. We have a tendency to get real lazy, don't we? You know, God has a plan. And I've heard, I've watched Facebook, and I've listened to YouTube, and I've listened to other people talking. And everybody's like, this world is the worst we've ever seen it. You haven't lived that long, guys. First off, if you were around in the 20s, They swore up and down that was the end of time that the world was coming to an end. And in their world, it was coming to an end. Because everything they were used to, everything they knew about, everything they normally did, stopped. Just quit right there. And why does, people ask me all the time, why does God allow that kind of stuff to happen? What do you think? the reason God would allow stuff like that to happen. Why do you think God would allow our government to be so upside down right now? Why do you think God allows our communities to start falling to the wayside? Why does God, why did God flood the earth in the first place? Why does God do anything God does? It's a very simple thing if you stop and think about why does God allow things to happen? Because if there was no consequence, if there was nothing that happened, there would be no consequences. If there was no consequences, there would be no conscience. And if there was no conscience, where would we be? We wouldn't feel bad about nothing, would we? We need to depend on God. This book goes into great detail. All the way through this book, it talks about our dependence on God. Does God depend on us? He doesn't need us, guys. I hate to tell you all that. I used to tell David when he was growing up, I'll kill you, bury you, and make another one just like you. Do you know that God could stop everything that's going on in this world with just a snap of his finger? But what value would that have? What would we learn from it? How would we get to a point where we depended on him more than we depend on ourselves? Do y'all understand that? I mean, I go through it, you go through it, all of us go through that. I call it the pity party time. Oh, I feel so bad about this. I... 
I do this, I do this, and just complain and complain and complain and complain. But what do we do about it? We had a class Friday night on follow, the word follow. Do you know what it means to follow something? When the Bible talks about following Christ, what does it really mean? Does it mean just let him walk in front of you and you follow behind him? No. No, 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 no. Y'all need to start coming on Friday night where you learn what these words biblically really mean. Because we've been taught words all of our lives, but we don't really know what they mean. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The word follow means to emulate. Y'all know what you know what that word? I can't even say it again now. Be like. Live that way. Where how did Christ live his life? Meek, humble, servant, honest, shameless, sinless, faithful to God. And how does he expect us to live? He does. He expects us to do that. Well, we're human. We're wrapped in flesh. We can't do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live a shameless life if I learn what I'm supposed to do. If I emulate Christ in everything I do, what is that, what's that going to do for me? Huh? Prosper, prosperity is one of the things it's going to do for me. But if I live the exact same way Christ lived his life, I'm going to be stainless. Stainless. I'm not going to have the stain of sin on me no more. Is it possible for man to live without sin? No. But if I follow Christ's example and I live the way he lived, how hard is it going to be for me to sin? If I look at him and see exactly how he walked, and I walk exactly the way he did, I think the way he did, I do things the way he did, I forgave the way he did, I judged the way he did. Oh, I get tired of people saying, we're not supposed to judge. Yeah, you are. You got to be a judge. You got to judge what's going on in your own life, and you got to judge what's going on in other people's lives. He says, judge, but don't condemn. We mix that up, don't we? Judging somebody is not condemning them. If I judge something to be wrong, what do I need to do? Fix it. If your car's misfiring and not running right, are you going to throw the car out with the trash? You're going to change the spark plugs. You're going to change the You're going to spend money trying to find out what's wrong with your car before you give up on it, right? <laughs> well, you know, we do that with people too, don't we? We look at people's wrongs and we give up on them. We just burn them. How many people did Christ burn? Not a single one. He died on that cross for all of us could be saved. He didn't say for all of us would be saved. Could be. So what has to happen in order for us to get saved? We have to stop living the way the devil tells us to live. We got to stop living the way the government tells us to live. And y'all ready for this? You got to stop living what other Christians tell you to do. Oh, I just stepped on some toes on that one, didn't I? It's not about it's not about living up to a standard of man. It's about living up to the standards of God. When Christ was when Christ was brought to a place where he had to make some hard decisions, what was the first thing he did? Every time Christ had to make a major decision, he did something. 
he stopped. He got still. And he talked to God. Now, did he make a big scene out of it? No. I'm going to read you some scriptures this morning. And I want you to listen to the scriptures as I read them. And I want you to see where they apply in your life today. You ready? Go to Matthew chapter 4. And I want you to listen closely to what this chapter says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had faced feasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry huh fasted feasted fasted whatever <laughs> yeah now when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of god command those stones to become bread but he answered and said it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's pretty tempting, ain't it? <laughs> pretty hard temptation there, isn't it? I'm going to go up on the highest point of a building, I'm going to jump off and hope God catches me. <laughs> Jesus said to him, it is written again, Thou shall not. Y'all hear that? Thou shall not. Thou shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, y'all keep that little, that little nugget right there in your mind for a little while, okay? Thou shall not tempt thy God. And again, the devil took him up an exceeding high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things will, I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. <laughs> Does the devil own anything? Not a thing. Mandy, I'm going to give you Tim's Explorer or Blazer or whatever that thing is he's got out there. I'm, I'm going to give it to you, okay? It's yours. You can have it. <laughs> Do you get where I'm going with this? It's not mine to give, so it ain't going to hurt me if I give it to you. But I got news for you. It ain't going to help you either. Because Tim's going to get mad at me for giving it to you. And he's going to get mad at you for taking it. So, I mean, do y'all understand what he's saying here? I'm going to give you everything. How many times have you in your life... I want you to think about this for a minute. How many times in your life have you listened to the devil telling you what all he's going to give you? Oh, he's going to give you riches and a nice house and a nice car. How's he going to give you anything? It ain't his to give, is it? So what's the Bible say? Let's go back and see. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Who are we supposed to serve today? Who else? Well, wait a minute now. I work for y'all, right? I work for y'all, right? I'm supposed to do what y'all want me to do? I'm supposed to do it the way y'all want me to do it? What about, what about you? What about you? Do, you? 
you got to do it the way I want you to do it. But see, that's the catch-22, right? If it's in God's will for you to do it that way, yes, I want you to do it that way. Yes, I want you to turn your life over to Christ. Yes, I want you to live a godly life. Yes, I want you to be good to each other. Yes, I want all the bickering and all the gossiping and all the backstabbing. I want all that stuff to stop. I'd love for all that to stop because if all that stopped, there wouldn't be enough room in this building to hold everybody. Oh, I'm preaching something, ain't I? I'm telling you something this morning. All the bickering and all the backstabbing and all the name-calling, the slashing, the guilt, everything that goes on in this room, if we could get rid of all that, what better life could we have? A lot better life. Then the devil left, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. That's an important verse. That is a very, very important verse. When we get to the point where we tell the devil, get out of here, leave me alone, God can come back with his angels and minister us and help us get through our problems, help us solve the things that are going on in our world. The Bible tells us time and time again, repent from your sin and turn away from it. He even goes on further to say, Turn from your evil, wicked ways and pray, and I will hear your prayers. Y'all get that right there? He said, when you turn from your evil, wicked ways, then I will hear your prayers. What if you're knee-deep in sin and you're praying? What if you're living the wrong kind of life and you're praying to God to help you? I don't know about y'all, and I'm not the great, I'm not the smartest man in the room, evidently, sometimes. But when God says, when you turn from your evil, wicked ways, then I will hear your prayers. That's kind of a clue, isn't it? Start living the way you've always lived, and then I'll hear what you have to say. There has to be a change take place, isn't it? If there's no change in your life, why do you expect God to hear you? I mean, am I being too harsh here? Am I being too unreal? The Bible says when you turn from those ways, then I will hear your prayers and I will bless your land. And you can substitute land for life. You can substitute house for land. There's a lot of things you can put in that word in there. When he says, I'll heal your land, what's that mean? He's going to heal everything around you. And what greater gift could it be from God than to have a complete healing of your finances, your family, your health, your home, your community, your state? What greater gift could he give us? There's only one greater gift that he give us, and that is the hope and the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and accepting him as Lord and Savior. It's the first step you have to take, isn't it? And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelled in Carpania, which is by the sea in the region of Zabia. Sabian, Naton, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabin and the land of Nepola, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee, and Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the in religion of shadow of death, light is dawned. Does that make sense to y'all? Where does our hope, our light, and all the things that we need to survive, where does it come from? It comes from God. He brings peace into our life. He brings, He is the light, the truth, and the way, right? 
And without him, what do we have? We have the devil and all the demons and darkness and sorrow, anger, frustration, greed. Can I just keep going down that list? I'm going to hit something in a minute that relates to you. There are always something going on that we need to look at and say, I need to fix this. And how do we fix it? How do we really fix what's going on in our lives? Can we do it on our own? How about JR fixing it for me? How about Mandy doing it for me? How about Buddy? Can Buddy fix everything? There's only one thing and one person that can fix every problem we have. And that's Jesus Christ himself. So what are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? We need to emulate Christ in everything we do. And how did Christ live his life? Blameless and without sin. Oh, I get so tired of hearing the excuse. Well, I'm flesh. I'm going to sin. Yeah. The Bible says that all sin comes short of the glory of God. But it also tells us to turn from our evil, wicked ways. Do you know every sin there is to make? Do you know every sin out there? Can you name them all? And if you think you can, Jesus will talk to you the same way he talked to Nicodemus. And blow your, water, blow your boat right out of the water because everything that we talk about, everything that we know, everything that we do that's outside of the will of God is sin. Everything you do outside the will of God is sin. Hmm. What's God's will for us? What is God's will for us? To submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and make him Lord of your life. And then Jesus himself gave us, he's, when he went to, before the disciples, before he ascended into heaven, he said, I give you two new commandments. How many commandments are there really? How many commandments are there really? There's two. There's two commandments that we really have to do. Love thy God with all thy mind, body, and heart, and soul. And love your neighbors as you love yourself. The Word says that if you do those two things, you have fulfilled all of the commandments and all of the laws. So what do we got to do? Got to love God. And we got to love each other. It didn't say anything about yourself. It didn't say anything about loving yourself. He does never tell us to love ourselves. He said, love God and love your neighbors as you love yourself. Did he say, go live for Mark? Did he say, go live for Jr.? No, he said, love God and love my neighbors. That's pretty stiff, isn't it? Pretty harsh thing to tell somebody, most especially when you know my neighbors. But who are my neighbors? Everybody is my neighbor. Anything that God created, anywhere God created, is my neighbor. Am I supposed to love people that I don't even like? I'm supposed to love my worst enemy. I'm supposed to take care of my worst enemy. I'm supposed to feed him, clothe him, arm him. I'm supposed to take care of him just like I would take care of myself. 
Do I do that? Do you do that? Do we do it as a church? Do we do it as a community, a state, a country? No. And then we got the audacity. Ooh, I'm fixing to preach something here. We got the audacity to stand up and say, God, why do you allow that to happen? It ain't God allowing it to happen, guys. It's you and me and 20 million other people that allow the wrong of this world. Because if we do what God told us to do, exactly the way he told us to do it, what kind of world will we be living in? You wouldn't be hurting each other, would you? That was quick. <laughs> that was quicker than a hiccup right there. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I could stop that fast, did you? Let me tell you something, folks. I have really been doing some digging and some searching and trying to figure out some stuff because I know a lot of things that are going on in this world right now. I see a lot of stuff happening. I hear a lot of stuff going on. And you know what the biggest thing is I hear is? People are scared. People are scared. And what are they scared of? Everything. They're scared of Satan. They're scared of business. They're scared of pricing. They're afraid they're going to lose their homes. They're afraid they're going to lose their families. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. What does the Bible say? Fear not, for I am your God. If I trust God with everything I own, everything I have, all my possessions and everything around me, what do I got to fear? If he took everything I have, if he took everything I have, what have I got to fear? You see, y'all know those little sparrow birds that are so annoying? They don't have a nest. They don't work. They don't have a home. They don't have any value as far as birds go. But they have a purpose because God loves them. And God feeds them. God takes care of them. And God knows he multiplies them. <laughs> Am I right? So if God loves a sparrow that much, how much does he love you? What will he do for you? If you trust him totally, what will he do for you? On over in the book here, it talks about God calling the disciples. And he said, drop your nets. Listen to me. He says, drop your net and follow me. Did he mean for the disciples to just follow behind him? No, he said, follow me. Follow what I do. Live the way I live. I will train you to be disciples of men. He trained them how to live. Now, we all know they were human beings, right? And toward the end of the day, they all kind of pew, spread out, right? Because fear overtook their lives. The circumstances caused them to lose sight of what they'd followed for three years. They saw things that mean you never got to see. Could you imagine being in a room and all of a sudden the ceiling opens up and they lower a man down with bent legs that were deformed from birth? And Jesus stands there and says, pick up your mat, go home. And those crippled, twisted legs just all of a sudden straightened out. And the guy got up. And y'all got to remember something. He'd been laying on that mat his whole life. How strong do you think he was? He had physically no strength. He said, pick up your mat and go home. 
He didn't say get your buddy to pick up your mat. He didn't say get your dad to pick up your mat. He said pick up your mat and go. And the boy reached down, picked up his mat, and left. What about blind men at the, at the gate? I've always wondered this question. If he was blinded from birth, how did he know where the river was? How did he know which way to go? Huh? Walk by faith, not by sight. He walked by faith. He knew. He didn't have to think about where it was. As soon as Jesus told him to do it, he knew where to go. And then I go back to the ten lepers on the road. There was ten lepers walking down the road. And they were hollering out, unclean, unclean. But we know you're Jesus. Listen to me. We know that you are Jesus. And we know that you can cleanse us. Jesus healed all ten of them. And they all, he said, go, present yourself to the priest, and show them that you're clean. All ten of them took off. <laughs> One of them got down the road, and he said, ooh, wow. I ain't got no stuff on. Cool. <laughs> he turned around and went back. Do you hear what I said? He turned around and went back and found Jesus and knelt down in front of him and praised him. Was Jesus impressed? Hmm? Do you know the story? He asked the one, Where's the, didn't I heal ten? Where's the other nine? One out of ten actually gave him praise for what he did. The rest of them just took it and went about their business. Where are you at? Where are you at with your forgiveness? Where are you at with your cleansing? Where are you at with your healing? Do you go before him and kneel and give him praise and honor for doing it? Or do you do like the other nine? Take your blessing and go hide it. Don't get excited about it. Don't even thank him for it. I can go through here and I can start naming off story after story after story where Jesus called people out. But he never badmouthed them. He never shunned them. He never turned them away. How easy would have been Jesus on that road when those ten were coming that he stepped off the road and got way over here and let them pass way over there and never said a word to them. Would anybody have looked down on him for that? But what was the right thing to do? Do his father's work. Do his father's work. Where are you at with that? Are you willing to do God's work even if it's not popular? Are you willing to do God's work even if it causes you to get mocked? Are you willing to do God's work if half your family turns against you? Are you willing to do God's work even if you get no glory for it at all? That nobody knows that you did it? But there's no self-praise in that, is there? There's no praise of other people in that. Look what I did. Look what I did. You know, they really don't care what you did. Because I'm going to tell you something. You really didn't do anything spectacular. Being obedient to God is not a spectacular thing, is it? We make it that way. We make it to when we do something good for God. We want everybody to give us praise and, oh, my God, you're such a good Christian little boy. You're such a good Christian little woman. You do all this stuff for God. Oh, you're so wonderful. Pat yourself on the back. Get all the glory you're going to get. Get all the glory you can muster up. 
Because in God's eyes, that's all you're getting. Ooh. Hmm, make you think, huh? Where do we get our glory? Where do we receive our rewards? Where do we get our crowns? Where do we get our robes? Where do we get our rings? Where do we get all the things that God's promised us? Where does it come? And when does it come? After we've been judged and found not guilty. But can we really be found not guilty? Can you be found not guilty? If they judge you based on you? They judge you based on you? Where are you going? So what keeps us from going to hell? What Christ did on that cross. The blood he shed. That should be covering our portals of our heart. Oh. Kind of like a Passover, right? When the angel of death came through Egypt, what happened to the people that didn't have blood on their doors? Their firstborn died. What happened to the people that had blood on their doors? There's a story that goes around, and I, I can't really find it in the Bible, but I know it's there because it's there. It's talking about the governor, Joshua's girlfriend, for lack of a better word, the woman he loved was a slave in the governor's house. And he did something really cool in the movie. I don't know how it happened, but he snuck up there and he painted the door in the post. And when the angel of death passed by, what happened? It passed over him. Even the non-believer in the house was passed over. But it was covered by the blood. But I'm going to tell you something today. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. I can't paint your blood for you. I can't pour Jesus' blood on you. Nobody can. Only Christ can bleed on you. And the only way he will bleed on you is if you submit yourself and surrender yourself to him. That sounds mean, doesn't it? Sounds cruel, doesn't it? But it's the truth. And if the truth hurts your feelings, maybe you better figure out why it's hurting your feelings. Because a lot of times the truth hurts our feelings because we don't want to hear the truth because if we hear the truth, then we've got to judge ourselves. And we judge ourselves without the truth. We're good people, aren't we? If 30 years ago you asked me if I was a good person, yeah. Yeah. I was real good at what I did. And I was good to people. There was people in my life that I was good to. And if I had died back then, I'd have been a good person going to hell. Because I don't care how good you are. You can live a perfect, righteous life according to this book. You can do everything this book tells you to do except for except Christ. If you don't accept Christ, you're wasting your time because you're not accomplishing anything. Salvation is the first step. Obedience to God is the second step. You can be obedient without accepting Christ, and guess what? You're going to go to hell just like if you didn't have done, done nothing the Bible told you to. I had somebody tell me the other day, we was talking about what God requires us to do, and he said, I do all that. I do a lot of that. I said, have you ever accepted Christ your Lord and Savior? He said, no. I said, you're going to hell. And he said, but I've been good. And I had to go back and dig up a scripture that I read a long, long time ago. When the disciples called Christ good. 
He said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. Without God in your life, you have no value. Period. Y'all got that? Without Christ in your life, you have nothing. And I know I'm preaching on that salvation thing again. Get over it. Suck it up, buttercup, because there may be somebody in this room that need to hear that this morning. Somebody in this room may have needed to hear that no matter how good you think you are, without Christ's blood, you're filth. Oh, that's harsh, isn't it? But it's truth. Without Christ, you're filth, and you cannot enter the gates of heaven. hate it when I have to get downright biblical on (laughs) y'all. No, I don't. (laughs) I love what I do. I love what God has given me to do. I don't like a lot of things that goes on in churches. I don't like bickering. I don't like bitterness. I don't like hatred. I don't like discomfort and dislike. I don't like backstabbing, hurt feelings, all that stuff. I don't like none of that stuff because it hurts me inside when I hear it. And it really hurts me inside when I see it because I know what the book says. The book says, love one another as you love yourself. Judge not, yea, you shall be judged likewise. I want you to think about that for a minute. When you're talking bad about somebody, who are you talking about? them and you because you're going to be judged the same way they you're judging them so watch out what you do watch out what you say but one thing i need you to do today if you haven't done it yet i need you to turn your life over to christ i need you to surrender yourself to jesus i need you to pray that prayer that asks christ in your life and i need you to make a commitment to him that no matter what's going on, how it has to be done, that you will serve God and you will serve Christ the best you can. Is that hard to do? Sometimes. But is it possible to do it? Every day of your life you can do it. But you've got to get your mind right. And the only way you'll get your mind right is when you get your heart right. And when you get your heart and your mind lined up together, what comes out of your mouth? Goodness, love, caring, forgiveness. All the things that Christ tells us we need to do. When you get your heart right and your mind right, your mouth will say the things that need to be said. But what if your heart ain't right? What if you still got stinking thinking going on in your head? What's going to come out of your mouth? Stinking stuff, bitterness, hurtfulness, anger, violence, greed. Are y'all ready for this one? Selfishness. When you put yourself before you put other people. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? You mean I got to look out for everybody else before I look out for me? Yeah, I do. So, I'm going to give you something this morning I want you to take with you. I got a friend of mine that goes to the Chamber of Commerce, and he says, I'm going to give you a little nugget. I'm going to give you a little nugget I want you to put it in your pocket. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that none should perish. Y'all get that? None of us should die and go to hell because God paid a price for us. He opened the door for forgiveness. He closed the door when one man sins and opened it back with another man's forgiveness. Are you willing today to ask Christ to forgive you and to come into your life and be your Lord, your Savior? And will you make a commitment to serve him the rest of your life?
Because, see, he didn't come to be your ruler. He came to be your servant. He came to serve man. And what is the greatest service you can give to someone? Give your life for him. He gave his flesh for you. Are you willing to sacrifice your flesh to be with him? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I ask you today to come into this place and examine each one of our hearts. Look into our souls and look into our spirits. Find where we're the weakest. Find where we need to improve. Find where we need to change some things. Fix what's wrong with us. That we can serve you better. And serve our community, serve our state, our country, our world. Help us to turn from our evil ways. And look at the world the way you look at it. Let us look at the world through your eyes. Teach us to deny the world and our flesh. And to accept you. And let us be better followers Christ and Lord if there's one person in this room that hasn't made their life right with you by accepting your son put a burden in their heart right now that they have to do it that it has to be done right now not tomorrow not next week not next year not when the time feels right but right now and if you're in the sound of my voice anywhere in the world and you have that feeling just go to God and ask him into your life right now. We'll give you a minute. Give you a second. I'm going to ask you now if you made a decision. If you made a decision to accept Christ, raise your hand. If you made a decision to rededicate yourself to Christ and to live a better life, raise your hand. you got things going on in your life that you need more prayer for, right now is the time to do it. you got sickness in your life and health problems or anything else that's going on in your life and you need help with it, God is in the business right now of helping you. Let the Spirit of God work. Raise your hand and say, I need you to pray for me, Jr. Right now, submit yourself. Come on, Luana. Come on. Anybody else got the nerve or the gumption to say, I ain't been doing it right, I need God's help? If you do, come on. Come on up here. Come on up here. Bring it on up here, guys. Charlie, can you get mom? She can't get up here very well. You guys know what's going on in your lives, right? You know what you need help with? Let's go to the Lord and pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I ask that you just bring these people, whatever their problems are, that you know what they are. Bring them to the peace and surrounding that they need, the love that they need. Teach them to serve you better. Show them in your word what they need to do. Teach us how to live and love you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all go be seated. It takes courage and it takes nerve to stand up and say, I need help. It takes something that, it's not pride. You let pride get in your way, you'll die and go to hell. You let greed get in your way, you'll die and go to hell. You let jealousy get in your way, you'll die and go to hell. Lying, you'll die and go to hell. And if you're lying to yourself and you still need more of God today than you've ever needed, don't lie to yourself. Admit it and say, I need more Jesus in my life. 
and dig into it and find it. Stop living for the world and be a follower of my Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, go with us today as we leave here today. Bless us coming and going. Watch over us as we travel. Give us travel mercies with the angels around us. And Father, I ask this prayer today. Put people in front of us that need to see God. And then God, allow us to radiate Christ. Let it pour out of our eyes and out of our mouth and our language. Just let us shine in a better way. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.